On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchondo. It is time for a Second Shot Sit-Down and a guest that I have thoroughly enjoyed researching and learning about. His name is Harma Hartuni and he's he's an entrepreneur and, and his really is a, a self-made man, a self-made developer. He, my gosh, has so many second shots, one of them being a near-death accident, one of them being uh, born in the United States, raised in Iran, and now sort of uh, making his fortune here in the United States. It's just an interesting story of perseverance and survival, and I, I can't wait for you guys to hear about his perspective. He's also the author of Getting Back Up, a story of resilience, self-acceptance, and success. Welcome to Second Shot, Harma Hartuni. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. Uh, first thing, I'm so intrigued. By, I'm intrigued by really a, a lot of your life's work and things that you've been through. But I want to hear about your upbringing and, and your childhood and how you ended up being raised in Iran. I was born here, as you know, 30 days old, moved to Iran. And I'm an Armenian, um, so we're a Christian. So we're a minority living in Iran, Tehran. And I have to uh, tell you that people, they treated us really nicely. We never had any incident. It was an, we were respected. Armenians had a great respect through the population over there that we are hardworking, we're honest. So from the mechanic to the painter to the doctors, they always respected us a lot. Uh -huh. The experience uh -huh. wasn't the same when it came to actual government. It was um, minority, the way minorities are treated in some communities and um, but overall we had a great life in, in respect my my family was pretty wealthy as my dad worked harder I, I call it luckier he got you know he got a bigger business and growing up in Iran my challenge wasn't just a, being a minority or being um, different as I felt my my dad had a typical um, Middle Eastern mindset that um, the wife cannot make any decisions. He's the boss, and no matter what he does and how wrong that is, it's okay, it's a man, and you have to forgive him. And sadly, I understand it, just because you have to use empathy and just, I get him. That's not how I wanna be or I want to have my life to be, and we're very lucky where we are now because that's not, you know, everybody has an equal right. But growing up in Iran, that was um, one of the challenging part that and we always had to stay so quiet. As a as a little boy, did you look at at your mom and think, "Oh gosh, she doesn't she doesn't play a large role here"? Or did it not dawn on you because that was the culture? Uh, my mom, um, we had an you know, my dad was pretty abusive, uh, verbal or 
you know, many ways. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. she could not leave the country. In Iran, women have uh, no rights and they cannot take the kids or they cannot get divorced. Although if the anything the husband does bad, the wife cannot get divorced or have the kids or custody of the kid. So she had to stay quiet. My role as a oldest was just to make sure that she's safe. And I developed this behavior that what are we gonna do today to make sure we can move on to the next day so we can be safe or, um, and it wasn't like that every day. It was just, the, anytime there was an incident, I just wanted to move on from it very fast. Okay, and just to kind of keep life moving. Because we couldn't leave, right, until I had the opportunity to leave the country and that's the reason I have no desire to go back. For how, how long were you there? I, I left when I was 19 years old, wow. and so so from beginning when I moved there until 19, I never left the country because my dad didn't want us to live. And when I left for, um, he he thought it's a vacation. I'm coming to the U.S. for a few day, a few weeks, and I the third day I was like, I'm not coming back. And you can only imagine how did that. You go. came here on vacation and never went back. He thought, in my mind, I was like, when I get there, oh, yeah. I am going to stay. But he thought I'm coming here for a three-weeks vacation, yes. Okay. And so, and you mentioned that you're the oldest. How many siblings do you have, and, and where are they? brother and a uh, sister. I'm the oldest, and my sister, and then my younger brother. Okay. And where where are they? Here, I moved them after I moved. I slowly brought them one by one, and which was another reason my dad was pretty upset, because... You know, he was losing control of the family, and I wanted them to have a better life. We were all U.S. citizens, but we lived in Iran, and I knew that we could have a better life. And we were fortunate that we didn't have to go go through um, immigration and mm. all that. So we were U.S. citizen, but we just uh, had to follow my dad's rules. So uh, I brought them one by one. I'm one of the best things I've done. What about your mom? She came um, in between when every time one of my sister and brother came and at one point I remember we were living in a studio, um, we were four of us and we, my mom was supposed to go back. We didn't have a place to sleep, we had to take, basically take the dining table, lift it up so we can have an air mattress and put it back on. It's just, just you know, the way I will say it. a lot of people go through this when they move. and. Um, I told my mom, I said, I'm 20 years old, I cannot take care of the other two. And it, that was where it was going to become difficult for her to tell him that we're not coming back. And he didn't like it. It was a process, it was a few years of back and forth that if you guys move back here, you're gonna have an amazing life, which he's right. We could have had the housekeeper, the maid, the driver, beautiful life and car and homes that we didn't have to work for. And that was the the carrot, right? So mm -hmm. if you move here, well, you will be, you have all of this and we didn't have any. And he said, if you don't move, I'm not supporting you. And 
that was actually one of the best thing he has done because allowed me to get back on my own feet and support myself and the family. Uh huh. And, and you talk and you talk about the family. I want to talk about your your family life now. I know that you um, now are are a father. You have two children. At what point, I can only imagine in Iran, knowing a little bit that I know about the laws there, right? Being gay, as I understand it, is punishable by very extreme measures. This is something that's not acceptable. At what point in your life did you think, wow, I, I don't know that, that the way that I feel is going to be acceptable to my community here? I did not know I was gay. Okay. I knew something is wrong with me. I thought I was uh, sick. I thought I'm feminine, something is wrong. I should be corrected, I should see a doctor. I just never thought it's okay to be who I am. It took me a while and it, that didn't happen until I moved here. Back home, um, yes, it is a punishable if you are gay and openly out and you're actively acting on that. But if you are doing whatever you're doing in your closet, it, nothing is wrong with it, and no one talks about it. It's like don't ask, don't tell policy. Uh -huh. And so it's a very big gap being an openly gay man and having have a business and be what I look like today or being extremely feminine. You can't hide it, and you're active on what you like openly with everyone in the public, which that is not allowed. So you can be who I who you are, and it applies to um, artists, women, doctors. Like it, there's a box for everything you do. So sexuality is something you just don't talk about it at all. So when I moved here, I was embedded with that, and culturally, not only I was grew up in Iran, I'm Armenian, and you just don't talk about it. And and you, we live our lives for others first. It's all about making sure the community doesn't judge how would my mom and my dad would look like for my action. So it's we live, we take action based on making sure that others are okay. And it's a big uh, step for me to accept myself, which what it did made me look like I'm selfish. So I'm putting myself first and that's just very selfish in, in my community. And it took me a year and a half or so and I think my mom, because she knew something and she was forcing me to come out to her, it made me accept so I can get friends to tell her who I am. And that process was scary. It was scary. So, so your mom has she ever said like, "Gosh, I really, I really have known since you were this age," or you know, I, I've, I've sensed that you weren't living your, your, you know, be, being your true self for for this many years. No, she has never acknowledged it. But let's just be honest. Like I, I she knew in school I was being bullied, and she was. She will do her best to protect me, and she did. She knew that I would on the. Um, the recess, I would not go in a uh, school, out, uh, in a playground, I will hide in the classes. She knew that, so she would somehow try to make me feel safe by talking to the principal, or so she knew that. She had seen me dance, I mean, um, I, I was not into soccer, I was all, I was different, and so she knew all that, but when the time came for me to confront her, and she said, um, no, you went through a severe car accident and that changes people. And I said, no, mom, you know, I just, I don't think I want to be with woman. 
And she said, no, you moved to your big country. We change. You're working all by yourself, supporting us. It's okay. You're going through trauma. I said, no, mom. And finally, when I start pointing out everything in my life that she has seen, and that's where she goes, like, drop me home. I don't want to hear more about this. And then, you know, it just was hell for like a um, few months. And I will say right now it's so beautiful. And she's the first person at my house unannounced brings food and on my anniversary she's the first one with gifts and flowers and she reminds me of my anniversary and okay. so it's very beautiful now oh. but the first year did wow, you did different. you understand considering your mom's upbringing and her culture and what she knew to be true and knew to be quote-unquote right did you understand at first when she was really questioning you and despite how hurtful that must have been Absolutely. I'm actually surprised how fast she changed mm. considering how she was raised and including my dad, you know, including my dad was um, extremely um, hardworking, driven, I would say not the best mentor and grew up with nothing and build everything by himself. Considering with all that, everything around it, they, um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And I'm very proud of them how soon they were okay to have me and not lose me, if that makes sense. Ah, yes. I would love to hear your advice for people who are watching or listening and really struggling with coming out due to a parental culture that's that they where they feel they will be ostracized or not accepted or 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 even worse. What's your advice to somebody who wants to open up to their parents and, and let them know their you know, really what's going on? My first advice is like when I when I came out was I was 20, 21 years old and it took me a while for me to be okay with myself and then I wanted my mom, um, my, my, my deeper relationship was with my mom, right? So I think pick the person that you are closer to. You don't have to mm -hmm. come out to everyone at the same time. But um, so because I, I wanted to feel safe. And this is 20 years ago, We the support and the fact you're interviewing me now on TV and this is not something was happening 20 years ago. So it's different. However, um, my, my comment is that accept, uh, let them accept you. It took you 20, 20 years or whatever long. Give them a few minutes. Don't expect them in 20 minutes to hug you and just say, I'm okay with all of it because it's a shock for them as has been for you. So I wanted to my mom to just be okay with me. Why can't you be like other moms? And then I realized um, I went to therapy, a lot of it. And um, and my therapist said, give your mom, um, you took you 21 years, give her some time. And it, she had to process it. And, and that's why I'm saying I'm surprised her process was shorter. I thought it would be a lot longer. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, open up to the person you feel safest with and closest to, and then give them some grace, considering how long the process can take for, for some people. And you're right, some people it's, a, it's immediate and the parent might say, might say, oh my gosh, I've been waiting for you to tell me, like, let's hug it out, you know, tell me, tell me how you're doing. And it may be very different for other families. Can you, I would love to hear your relationship with your parents now, just as a sense of hope. I'm sure it's not perfect, no family relationship is, but, um, you know, how long has it been since you came out to them and, and how different is your relationship with them now? It's been 19 years, 
that I came out. I came out to my uh, sister first because I thought, okay, my sister will be my ally, it will help me. And I remember my sister grabbed her mouth with her hand and said, oh my God, dad will kill mom. You know, and I laughed, I said, it's about me, it's not about, you know, and just had to educate her. She was younger than me and she just moved here. And then I told my mom and that process was a little bit uh, to work through. I, you know, she took me to a therapist to convert me. She, um, so many things that she tried. But right now, um, me and my dad um, have a, just a simple relationship. I wouldn't say any deep relationship. And the truth is not because anything to do with me being gay. It, there's so many other things in my life that I had to work through that is nothing to do. This is the, the least of my concern with my dad. My mom is, um, she told me yesterday that she went to grocery shopping and someone said, oh, I remember you from Iran and you have, you have a son, his name is Harma. I was like, yes, and well, he's, he has three kids. And the lady said, oh, oh and so he's married and, and in Armenian is a wife, like it's a very she and he very distinguished between them. And he's, she was like, no, it's actually he's married to a man. And I went up and... Sorry. This is a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Take your time. So, um, it's, it's, it's awesome to see your mom. My mom was standing up to something that 20 years ago, she would not even want to acknowledge me or she will hide the whole thing for five, 10 years from his, her own family. Mm. And so mm. for her to be in a grocery store and telling someone proudly and open, I was just not listening who that was. I was just listening to her that how proud I was that she's proud of me, you know. Well, oh, that's a beautiful, isn't that, gosh, as kids, it's so often what we want. Even as adult kids, we want our parents to just be, be proud of us. And I'm glad that you're able to kind of separate. It sounds like you and your dad, it sounds like he was not a great role model for you and you've been able to survive and thrive despite that. Um, I want to go back to that accident you mentioned. You mentioned that when you initially told your mom, she said, look, you've been through a lot. You had an, you had an accident, these, these injuries, it kind of changes people, which, which can be true. What, what was the accident? What had happened? Back home before, um, I was in gymnastic, competing locally, dancing. I was in a great school, um, college that I worked very hard to get into. I was driving back from um, a place on a narrow road on a mountain, and I pulled over because I had this um, energy, or I will say, you know, there's some lights around me on my right side, sitting on the passenger side that. Uh, again, I was not raised very religious, but you know something I always feel something is watching me uh -huh. and uh -huh. the person said that um, You need to wear your seatbelt. So in Iran 20 years ago at least you do not wear seatbelt That's just not something we did. So I pulled over. I found the seatbelt was very old uh, Seatbelt I put it on I got back on the road uh, my car was six shifts. I was on just number one. So if you drive six shift, you know you can't go too fast. Right. And my car was turning. And then a um, couple times I just felt not in control at all. And I realized if the bus was driving up and my car was sliding down on my left, and I thought, okay, I'm just going to die. So I turned the wheels and I hit the bus straight. And my car completely totaled. I pulled, I, nothing happened to me. 
I walked out of the car from the back seat behind the passenger seat because the car was completely smashed and my left side was a huge cliff that if I opened the door I would go down so it was like not an option and then I waited for the police to get there and I was just thinking my dad will kill me and another car hit me and my both legs broke and um, I didn't realize my legs broke because um, two of the people that were waiting next to me one of them passed away and one of them one of his legs broke so I just I thought it was like a movie and everything was going so slow I got up thinking I'm gonna move out of off the road and I realized everything was broken and you know my open you know crush and it took 13 months of straight in bed laying down and I I bet you if you wake up one morning and practice 10 minutes without your phone lay down look up in the ceiling and um, t- 10 minutes you will see the 10 minutes is like 40 minutes it just doesn't time doesn't go it just doesn't pass. and so 13 months of that and I moved to the um, US after a few surgeries with a, basically a walker I couldn't lift my own suitcase and I just escaped and which I call it in my book the rebirth of my new life so the, all the pain, everything I've gone through, I would go through it again to have what I have today. So you moved to the U.S. after that accident? That was the only way I was able to move because my parents uh, told, were told I will never walk again. I didn't know that and when that surgery was happening, I told my dad, oh my God, I'm gonna die on this table and you never let me go to the U.S. and where I was born and see the where I, I want to go to California and you never let me. So he said that when you come out and when you walk, you're gonna, you will go there, I promise. And oh my God, you, you, I bet you I hold him to that. <laughs> I did walk and then when I came, that's why I was like, I'm not coming back. And, and you came to the US, you came out, you started a family, you built an incredible, we haven't even talked about your incredibly successful career. Was that, was that the one thing that you took away from your dad, your ability to, I don't know, successfully earn income and, and generate wealth? Um, t- talk about that, how you came to the US with what I'm guessing are very few connections and um, built your, your own empire of sorts. It had helped me because I didn't have any connections because my early on my mentor told me that if you sell homes to people you know, only people you know, you will be as wealthy as them. And if you sell people uh, homes to people you don't know, you will become much bigger. And it was easier for me. I didn't know anyone. So, <laughs> so you had... became much bigger. <laughs> how, how did you start so, out? How did you um, know you wanted to do real I, estate? So, Oh, I didn't, um, and that's why when I interview people right now, they're like, I have passion for homes or staging, or I'm like, that's not real estate. Um, I, I don't think that's real estate. I, I was going to be a dentist and you know, to just make my family proud, and I had no money. My, par- my mom, my sister, brother, as I mentioned, were living in a small place. They had nothing to eat one day when I got home. I was like, okay, this cannot continue. I caused this, I brought them here, I'm responsible. So I asked the real estate broker to give me a job and he offered me $2,000 a month to be his assistant. He changed my life um, and I thought, I'm good. I took my mom Baha to Baja Fresh and I said, mom, you don't have to ever work. This is it, we made it and oh. we are rich. Oh. And um, 
for short, shortly after I was just studying at as I was in school um, my broker came to me and said would you want to make more money like 25 I said 2500 $500 more he said no 25,000 a month and I said no one makes that and goes like yes there are a lot of people do that I said no I just that's not my environment he goes like you can and I said I don't think so and he just changed the cap that I put on myself and the limit and I didn't know anyone that made even close to that and I sold 21 homes on my first year in real estate I was in so much debt and my my partner helped me to get my license and I tried to pay off his student loans and pay off and help my mom get a condo which helped her realize that she doesn't need that and she can move on and build stay here and live her life freely freely and um, and then my career I just decided I was like why would I want to be dentist when I just fell in love with the process so my passion for real estate wasn't first day with home more I did it more I fell in love with it and right now um, I own a real estate company it's a franchise um, of Keller Williams um, we are the number one in the market share um, and I'm going fast this is 18 years later um, 17 years later we I have 400 approximately 400 agents amazing agents hardworking great reputations and we do around 1.2 billion in volume I have my own personal team as well but um, I love leading the office and I I don't know I don't know anything else and so. what do you think now about making twenty five thousand dollars a month what is it when, when you hear that what does that feel like to you if I let me answer it like this way. If I know what I know today, going back, I will tell myself, it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep. And I didn't know that. Uh, for many years, I just made it and I spent it and I didn't save and I didn't. So I had to learn that lesson. Um, or, thankfully, I learned early on. Most people don't learn ever. Um, so my, my, my goal right now is to change people that they're change people's lives that they're in business with me because then they don't leave me then I can have what I have huh. so I build my people huh. and then my people are building my business and how did you change your mindset around money um, for, for people who've been is it, you you had money right growing up it sounds like you had just a not, not a great childhood in the the role model sense but just you you were taken care of you didn't grow up in poverty but then you came here and really struggled um, so how did you change that mindset about attaining wealth It was it was definitely a struggle when you have it and you lose it all, let's say, or you choose not to have it because that was a completed choice to have what I have to live here. But it was something inside me all the time. I knew I'm gonna get somewhere, I just didn't know how. And I'm very big on your gut feeling. Anyone who follows other people's opinion or path that usually ends up to be longer or more challenging. So I think you have to rely on your gut. I just knew that what I need to do to get to do my next level. I never worked for money, I'll tell you that. I love um, having an impact. I love, I'm very competitive. I like to be number one. I like to um, have more people say good things. and 
that created wealth. So if you focus on making money only, especially in real estate, I, I don't think you're gonna build, you might build something, but I don't think it's gonna be so big, or mm. or let's just say, if the market shifts, mm. I will be consistent with what I have, and that's what I'm looking for. I don't want up and down. I wanna constantly grow, three, five percent growth every year in real estate, it's really unheard of. And um, so it's not the money. If you focus on the money, it will go away. Yeah, but you're looking at all these people now that work for you and thinking about how, how okay, so your life has changed, right? Okay, good, you did that. Now how are their lives going to change and thus their children's lives and on and on and on um, and, and to kind of help that, that generational situation. I want to know what it's like to see your mom as a free woman. She loves casinos. She doesn't know I know. We have a GPS on her phone, so. <laughs> So I, I hope she doesn't watch this. Um, <laughs> but she goes through a lot. She, I asked her not to work. She had a lot of health issues. So I said, I'm providing everything you need. Just don't work. And um, she's free woman. She is. She has gone through so much that I think the consequences of that is happening now. Her health reason is because of what she has gone through. But there is nothing we can do about it, right? It happened. So the question is, what are you gonna do at this point? So if she's turning 60, I she's more unhealthy than many people are at age of 60. So I don't know how long she has to live, but I wanna make sure that she's not worried anymore that what will people say, because that was a guilt trip and she wanted to get divorced. Her entire family also were giving her guilt trip on that. Um, it, I'd want her to know that you can't live your life for others because um, people say that you only have one life and I said, no, you only die once and you live your life every day. Yeah. And so if she's living her life every day until where it's her last day, she should. She has given so much to us and for others, maybe it's time for her to be free and she's happy. I will say she's very happy. Um, she's, she shouldn't smoke right now and she is. She doesn't know I know. and. <laughs> But again, but she's free. <laughs> she's, that's what I, I told my sister. I said, Let her be. She hasn't had her own life. So, oh. so when it comes to parenting, listen, there's there's no there's no manual, right? And so often, what we do is we do what we saw our parents do because there's some books, and I'm sure you and I have both read all of them. But but when it comes to those instincts, sometimes we see what our parents did, and we repeat it ourselves. How are you? going to have gone through that uh, sounds like i mean this was a tough childhood of abuse but in comparison to you know probably what what your kids are experiencing how do you change the game with your kids and become a different father than you had thank you this is a great question actually 50 percent of me is my dad 50 percent is my mom and i'm you know we're born to the family, right? We don't even choose our own names, right? They choose it for us. They choose everything around us, the environment, the food, we're okay to eat, you know, it, it's, that is given by them. And then you become 20 years old or so, and you're like, okay, I'm solo, I can do my own, I can make my own decisions, And but how can you when you've been told all your lives how to live your life? So um, one of the reasons I wrote the book is to make sure the lessons of my life will be an example for my kids and that I can have them 
learn. I, I really hope no kid in the world will go through half of the things I've gone through or any, just they shouldn't. But I want them to learn that if it does happen, how do you get back up? And I learned a lot from my dad. Um, I have to give him credit for most of my success. I learned a lot from him what not to do. I learned a lot from him how to, to think ahead and be strategic. And he was a minority, right? He grew up with no mom and dad. He was an orphan. And how did he live his life? I, it taught me so much. I also learned that you don't step on people who are helping you and building you and treat them like your assets. And how do you build them with you? Um, with my mom, I learned um, stop worrying about others, and yet you can be kind, mm -hmm. do the right mm -hmm. thing. Although sometimes it's so hard to, um, you know, do the right thing all the time, but ultimately pays back. Um, so it's a combination of odd and you know. But I have to be honest; it's not like I haven't made any mistake. I made a lot of mistakes, but I will remind myself that are you being the best version of them? or not, because I have a lot of reasons to do the wrong thing and have excused myself from everyone. I'm just like, well, this happened to me many years ago, so this is why I'm messed up today. It's just, but that's not what I want my son to remember me for. Ah, that's, that's so good. It's so good. It's that just that message of uh, not becoming our past. Harma, thank you. I'm so intrigued by your story. I'm glad we got to have the conversation. And I know there is so much more in the book, which I will share with everybody and, and we'll, we'll post in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for the time, continued success, and thank you for sharing some of your family story. I appreciate you. Thank you. Stay safe. Same to you. You guys, the book is Getting Back Up, A Story of Resilience, Self-Acceptance, and Success. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's been called a must-read book by Entertainment Weekly. And, and I just hope that you are enjoying these different perspectives of different people's lives because we really, I mean, we all have been through a second shot. I'm sure in your own life you're thinking, man, I could be interviewed. It's true. Everybody has a story and, and an important story to tell. So I hope that you let this one impact you. Uh, don't forget the, the TV version of these are always out on CW33 if you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area every Thursday, they drop uh, on the show between 10 and 11 a.m., or you can always get the full episode on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. Um, just search Second Shot Podcast. And if you like the show or have something to say, leave us a rating or review, and we will talk to you soon.